I'm Jane Copier, and you're listening to Happy in the Middle, a podcast for Christian women who want to make the second half of life the best half. This podcast is all about helping women to reignite their spark and step into their divine power in order to create deep and connected relationships and also find that fulfillment and satisfaction they crave. So if you're ready to grow, join me and learn how you too can overcome guilt, resentment, disappointment, and enjoy the fruits of creating a life well lived. Let's go. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the podcast in episode number eight, how to stop feeling disappointed. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, please be sure to hit that subscribe and follow button, or you will miss out. I don't want you to miss an episode. I'm going to have so many good things here for you. So I hope you'll subscribe. Today's episode builds on our last one, and it's something that so many midlife women struggle with. So let's get to it and talk about disappointment. We all know what it feels like to be disappointed, but what is it really? According to the Cambridge Dictionary, disappointment is defined this way. The unhappiness or discouragement that results when your hopes or expectations have not been satisfied or someone or something is not as good as you had hoped or expected. So disappointment can be caused by something insignificant, like ordering something from the menu that doesn't taste as good as you hoped it would. That's always a bummer, right? I mean, especially if there's a picture of the food and it looks really amazing, this always happens to me, by the way, when we go to fancy bakeries, like the desserts look so incredible. They're works of art, but sometimes they're just not as yummy as they look. Right. And it's, it's just a little bit disappointing. This happens to me, but that's really not the kind of disappointment I want to talk about today. The most painful type of disappointment comes when our deepest dreams and desires don't come true. And they're based on expectations that are unrealistic or unreasonable. All of us have ideas about how other people should be or act. For example, when we get married, we have an idea of how our spouse is supposed to treat us, how they should celebrate us, how they should interact or share chores and on and on and on. And a lot of those ideas we don't even share with our partner, right? They don't even know. It's just kind of social conditioning. It's something that we expect maybe because of the way that we were raised. So in the coaching world, we call this having a manual for someone. I like to think about it like this. When you buy a new gadget, let's say an Instapot or like an air fryer, it comes with a manual that you read before using it so that you can understand how to use it correctly. You can make good food and hopefully not hurt yourself in the process. So these instructions are totally helpful and they're appropriate. It's not so appropriate to have manuals for people because humans turns out have rights and agency. And when we have a manual for other people, it's our list of rules or expectations for them that they need to follow in order for me to be happy with them. And we all do this without even being aware. We might have manuals for our family members or our coworkers, people in our communities, definitely for our spouses, the media, people on social media. And we even have manuals for ourselves that are written by our life experience. 
how we need to think to live in order to have admiration or approval from other people. Our manuals are usually created by our cultural upbringing or our family's value system. My mom was an amazing cook. I watched her the whole time I was growing up. She would make breakfast, lunch, and dinner for our family every single day. And we're not talking about cold cereal. That was a very rare treat. We were talking full hot breakfast, pancakes, eggs, bacon. Dinners were always a main course with a salad, veggies, sides, all of that kind of stuff. So this is how I was raised. This was what I was used to. And when I got married, I would try to do the same thing every night. I would cook this elaborate dinner because I really believed that that's what a good wife should do. I had a manual for myself. I was my manual for myself in that department. Um, truth is I don't really love to cook. I, I don't mind it. I just hate the nightly what's for dinner. <laughs> I don't think I'm alone here. So I enjoy cooking, but not when I have to, right? But in my mind at the time, it was really necessary if I wanted to be a good wife or have my husband love me. And I remember one night my husband came home. We were students, right? We were at Utah State and he came home and he was like, you do not have to make a big dinner every night. I'm totally fine with a frozen burrito. (laughs) He totally gave me a pass, but of course I didn't listen. I didn't believe him because I was taught that a good wife always makes a nice dinner. And I don't think my parents ever said those words. That was never something that was spoken, but it was something that I observed. It was something, an idea that I created in my brain because I knew my mom was a great wife and mother and homemaker. And I just figured that was my job too. Um, There were a lot of other things I added to my manual for myself, like never say anything that might hurt someone's feelings, always volunteer, never go out in public without looking good, um, be a certain weight, like on and on and on. So many criteria that I had for myself in order to like myself or to feel good about myself. Maybe you can relate to me. Do you have a manual for yourself? What is it? Really take some time to think on this and just gain a little bit of awareness around it. Not only Did I have a manual for myself, but I also had a manual for my husband, which of course I never shared with him. I just expected him to read my mind, right? Because if he really loved me, he would know what I needed, right? We have this expectation that our, our spouses will complete us and be that perfect partner. They will know exactly how to make us happy. I had expectations that he should always compliment me for how I looked or show appreciation for how hard I worked. He should buy me flowers on Valentine's day and make elaborate plans for our anniversary, right? It was his job to make me feel loved and special. That was my manual for him. And oh boy, imagine my disappointment when he didn't follow my manual, And because I had such a lengthy manual for myself, I felt justified in having one for my husband, my kids, and other people too. It felt righteous. It felt fair. Like if I'm requiring my, all of these things from me, then I can require this from you. If you've ever had the thought, he should do that if he wants to make me happy, or she should say whatever so that I feel better. Anything that we think other people should do 
and we need them to do it in order to make us feel loved, we have a manual and manuals are the recipe for disappointment. The only one who has power over you to make you happy is you. Because no matter how hard we try to make someone else happy, their thoughts create their feelings. And the same is true for us. Our thoughts create our feelings. We can make it easier for people to think good thoughts about us by being kind and showing up with good energy in our relationships. But whenever we look to external sources to make us feel a certain way, we're living in what we call emotional childhood. Think about children for just a minute. When they don't get what they want in that toddler phase, right? They throw a tantrum until they get it. Our granddaughter Lila did this the other day and I just laughed. It was just so funny. She was so, so mad and just threw an absolute fit. But toddlers are reliant on other people for, and it's right. It's appropriate for that age. It's a healthy stage of development, but when it carries into adulthood, it becomes a problem. Tantruming is not sexy. Pouting is not sexy. Anytime we need someone else to be or do something, or we need someone else's approval to feel worthy, valued, or loved, We sacrifice our emotional health because our happiness is completely reliant on them. If they don't perform well, we're the ones who suffer. We're the ones left feeling disappointed and it's our own fault. We got to own it. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of someone else who has a manual for you. Think about like, have you ever had that pressure of having to please someone else? It just feels impossible, doesn't it? As humans, we don't like to be told how to do things or how to live our lives or how to act in certain situations. It's not fun. It's not even possible. It becomes this impossible task. And it not only feels exhausting, but it really breeds resentment. So the key to stop feeling disappointment is to recognize that everyone in this world has the right within the law, of course, to be and do and live the way that they want. And as individual beings with agency, we claim this same right for ourselves. When we let go of our long lists of expectations and we learn how to take responsibility for making ourselves happy, it's so freeing. Imagine just being able to love the other people in your life exactly the way they are without conditions and lists. It's so lovely when we can just love ourselves this way too. And it all starts with just recognizing what our expectations are. As I do this work with my clients, they're often a little bit embarrassed by their list. They don't even realize how many requirements they have for other people in order for them to feel good. We have to become aware of this subconscious programming. I invite you to do a little journaling and discover for yourself what your manuals are for other people. And once you're aware, work on just getting rid of them. Start with your manual for you. What do you think you must do to be worthy, whole, loved, appreciated? For you people pleasers out there, you know who you are. (laughs) This is critically important work. When I dropped the manual for myself, it was so much easier to drop it for other people. As I began to love myself more unconditionally, it gave me freedom to show up in life as the authentic version of me. 
and also allow other people to be themselves without meeting my qualifications. Dropping those expectations and judgments is the key to enjoying the people that you love. It allows you to better see the gifts and the unique qualities that they bring to your relationship. And you can enjoy them fully and not be disappointed that they're not being who you need them to be. Finally, I want you to consider the things that you think you need to get from others and think on how you can give those things to yourself. Do you need other people to give you compliments? Start affirming yourself. Work on your self-talk. Boost yourself up. Do you want your spouse to prioritize you? Don't wait. Prioritize yourself. Fill your cup up so that when you are together, you can just enjoy each other without any pressure. If your love language is gifts and your spouse doesn't speak that language, buy for yourself what you want. You will never be disappointed. I do this all the time. When my birthday's coming, like my husband didn't grow up with a lot of gifts in his family. They had 12 children. So they were just, they were getting by, right? They were trying to put food on the table and it makes so much sense. My family had it a little easier. So gifts were a big deal, but this just wasn't something my husband could relate to and expecting him to know what I wanted, when I wanted all of that. It would just made me so disappointed all the time. So I, I fired him from being my gift giver. He doesn't ever have to buy me another gift. I I released him from that. I make sure that I always shop for myself. I get myself what I want. I tell him what he got me. We're both happy. And sometimes I even get a surprise. Sometimes he actually wants to shop or, or find something for me. And that's just like icing on the cake. We get to assign the meaning to every situation that we encounter. So if this is your situation, choose to frame it in a way that makes you happy about your life. I could get mad and be like, oh, my husband's terrible at gift giving. I could be bugged at him for the rest of our lives together. But what's the point of that? How sad is that? If I can just be like, oh, you know what? My husband is awesome at these other things. Not so great at gifts. So I take care of that myself. And it makes our partnership work and I love it. I just choose how to frame it. I choose the meaning that I get to assign. So if you do feel disappointed, be sure to take a little bit of time to process your emotion, right? This is the final piece of it. Don't just jump to um, feeling better and pretending that everything is good. Take some time, process that emotion first, and then get to work looking at your thoughts that are creating it. This work is just so important. It's so worth doing. It will change your life in so many beautiful ways and dropping your manuals will make a world of difference. It has changed my life more than I can say. Have the best day, my friends. I will be back tomorrow with more help for you. I'm dropping an episode a day for the first 10 and then I'll move to a weekly format. So be sure to hit that follow button so you don't miss a thing and have the best day. See you soon. Hey, if you are ready to get unstuck and make your midlife amazing, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And I want to invite you to join my Empty Nest Academy, where you will learn how to transform your mind, your relationships, and your life. Come free yourself of regret and disappointment and be so much happier. 
Listen, sis, we've got one shot at this big, beautiful life. Let's make it amazing. Go to janecopier.com, that's J-A-N-E-C-O-P-I-E-R.com and sign up today. And if you're not sure what's right for you, book a free consultation with me and we'll talk it over together. And we'll make sure to get you on the path that serves you the best. See you inside.